All right. Good afternoon. Good morning. Wait, what time is it? How many are sad about losing an hour? I, that, I felt like I, uh, I lost that. I was on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, and I fell among thieves, and they stole an hour from me. Uh, it's good to see everybody. I learned yesterday that, that uh, a yawn is contagious, so uh, we'll see if uh, we get a yawn wave go through the house. Everyone's sleepy today, but I, it's so good to see everybody. Wasn't the worship amazing? And I just believe that the Holy Spirit is here, and He is ready to continue to speak to our hearts and, and lead us in spiritual formation and growth. I'm so thankful for this, this house. I'm thankful for you guys. So we're in part four of Churchology, and we'll be closing the sermon series today. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, kind of giving you a, a bird's eye view of kind of this house, our heart, what's in us, the DNA that, that runs in our blood. If you cut us, what bleeds out? What's our passion? And then kind of like how, how we can all be a part of that. So uh, churchology part four. So I have a question. How many has ever seen one of these pictures before? One of these pictures right here. This is that 3D magic eye picture, kind of end of the 80s, early 90s, kind of popped up, and you saw people in, at uh, you know, window shopping, and they'd have these in the windows, and people would be looking, and they would, they would be gathering around trying to see the 3D picture inside of the picture. Remember this? And then you'd have people who would coach you, right? They would start with, well, look through the picture. And so you were kind of looking through the picture, whatever that means. And then the next thing was... You need to look, you need to cross your eyes. So then you had like a group of people all crossing their eyes, looking. If there were aliens watching us from a distance, they would think we are the strangest species ever, right? And so then finally what would happen, whether you're on the street or whether you got one in school, we had one in school, someone would see it, right? You'd see the dolphin jump out or you'd see the, the buried treasure, right? Whatever it is, there's a 3D object inside the picture. And as soon as it was seen... That person was so excited. They were like kind of bragging, a little braggadocious, right? And they wanted everyone else to see it. Like, and you, they were trying to coach. And I remember being like kind of the middle group, right? There were those people that saw it first. And I'm like, I don't know if it's really there. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, it's there, baby. I want everyone to see it. And so we had our techniques of going in and out and pushing it way, you know, back and forward and crossing your eyes. And finally, like when you saw the 3D image in the 2D uh, picture, all of a sudden you're like, I see it. And I, I feel like that's what Paul in this text in Ephesians 1 and 17 through 23 that we're about to read, that he's feeling like he's seen it and he wants us to see it. Like he sees it, he feels it, and he's like, you can see it too. You've been looking at this, you've seen the believers, you've seen the church, but I want you to see it the way it's supposed to be seen. So let's read this together, Ephesians 1, 17 through 23. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know how uh, know Him better. So that's the end goal. Like, He wants you to know Him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. So our calling is steeped in hope. And then he says, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. 
The Bible tells us somewhere else, it says that we are joint heirs with Christ. So everything that Christ has been given, that God the Father has given to Christ, now Christ has put our name on the deed. So we, our name is on the deed with Christ. So if Christ's name is on it, we also partake of it. We are also inheriting that. So all that Christ has been given, endowed, we also have been given and endowed. That's the kingdom of heaven here on earth. He says this, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power, dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So you got to know this, Paul is the king of run-on sentences. How many ever read Paul's letters before? They just keep going and going and going. But he's saying a lot here, and he's saying this, that the power that raised, that raised Christ from the dead didn't just raise him out of the grave, it put him in a place of authority. So when Christ raises us, when Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, raises us, He doesn't just raise us out of our problem, He doesn't just raise us out of our sin, but He sets us in heavenly places with Christ. Is that pretty cool? And then He says this, and God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. So now we're back to the church, ecclesia. Fills it all, in every place, in every way. So I want to talk about this today. In fact, I'm going to start off with uh, three reasons you don't need church. I'm going to give you three points why you don't need church. Then I'm going to give you three reasons you need church. Then I'm going to give you five things about this church, the heart of this church. Is that cool? So three things you don't, reasons you don't need church, three reasons that you need church, and then five things about this house. Heavenly Father, we honor you. We thank you for your, your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for this journey talking about your church, your body, Evangelion, the message, the good news, and then Ecclesia, this call to gather, call to gather, call to gather. We honor and thank you, Lord, for bringing us together again, calling us so your Holy Spirit can move through your body, so your name can be glorified in the earth. Lord, help us to see. Help us to see. Open our eyes today. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody say, amen. Okay. So, I want to tell you a story really quickly. This is a true story. The names have not been changed to protect the innocent, all right? My mother and I were traveling several years ago from Texas, or Tejas, to California, okay? wasn't the gold rush, but we were definitely moving this way. Uh, long story short, flew to Houston, uh, bring a vehicle, um, bring in a bunch of stuff for charity. My sister, um, God bless her, all the shoes and all the books and books she's read, books she hasn't read, uh, memorabilia, uh, dolls. I don't know what was in those boxes, but it was like bowling balls were in there. And just thankful for being a strong person to be able to carry those, right? Get them into the car. So we're driving, and we're somewhere between El Paso and Tucson. We're somewhere in New Mexico. And so we pull over, and there's a gas station, and we fill up, and we're like, let's take a little break, let's walk around. And right next to the gas station is this little depot, and this depot has like, like all kind of cool things from New Mexico, including a whole section of Native American paraphernalia, like, like arrowheads and, and uh, uh, like clay pots and, 
And I'm like, this is amazing. And so my mom begins to tell me, and I've heard this story before, but she kind of goes into detail about her grandma, who's full-blooded Cherokee, right, uh, from like the Oklahoma area, like the, the Cherokee Nation stuff, right? And uh, so she's telling me and, and telling me stories and how they gave her the name Nancy because of assimilating into the culture and all the problems and all the things that she went through. It was like, pretty amazing. And as my mom is talking and we're, she's telling me all this stuff, like 10, 15 minutes, like I'm holding this pottery and I feel like this connection with my heritage. I'm like, here I am. Like, this is it. I feel it. I feel like, like the, the song of Pocahontas, like from the Disney movie, like was running through my mind and I, I felt the wind and I felt the earth and I felt the fire. It was happening right there. And I'm holding the pottery. I'm holding, I'm like, I'm like, this, like, my people made this, and this is, this is a special moment, and it's all like happening so fast, I don't know if, know if I'm ready for it, right? And so my mom is like telling me, and I'm, I'm like, I, I got to call Heidi, because we're going all native in the living room. It's going to be, I want to buy all of it. We're going to buy all of this and get charity stuff and leave it on the side of the road and fill the car with all this cool stuff. And so as I'm like processing this, I'm like, well, I want to buy it, and I want to get a couple of things. So I start to look for the price, and as I'm looking for the price in one of the bowls, I flip the light, and of course, I should have known this because the guy at the register was like from Oceanside, blonde hair, blue eyes, and so I've, I flip the light on, I look inside the bowl, and there's this little imprint in the clay that says, made in China, and I was like, mom, do we have any people from China in our legacy that I can like, have a reason to buy this? I really, it's really, really amazing. And, and, uh, and at that moment, I was like, oh, man, it's not authentic. I mean, I should have known it wasn't authentic because it was $9.99, right? If it was authentic, it wouldn't have been $9.99. But I was like, oh, man, I thought this was authentic. I got fooled. And uh, not that they were trying to fool me, but I just was like, in the moment, I felt the Pocahontas wind and the music, and it was all happening so fast. And it made me kind of think about, like, the authentic that is made by that person, like, who made it, like, this is not some assembly line thing that's made. This was made by who? Who made this? Where was it made? And does that matter? And I was thinking about like the scripture about Jesus saying, I will build my church. And asking the question like, is the church, is this church, is the church that I'm a part of, anchored to, tethered to, is it, is it authentic? Is it, is it Christ built? Did Christ build the church? What does that look like? Why is that important? Asking the hard questions, because that's the question I have to ask as a, as a pastor, as a, as, a, as a leader, I have to ask, like, is the Lord building this house? And I think that's a fair question for, for all of us to ask, because I want it to be authentic. I want it to have Christ's name on it, His Spirit on it, His blood on it, amen, His name on it. I want, I want it to be Christ and not Chad, not made in Chad, not made in Sam, not made in Sally. I want it to be made in heaven by Christ, something that originated not in the heart and mind of man, but originated in the heart of God. Does that sound Okay. So I'm going to give you a couple reasons that, uh, number one, you don't need church. We don't need church, number one, because it's easier not to. Like, let's be honest, like, it, it, it's complicated. Like, life is busy. I can get my free downloads on the digital. I can get some digital discipleship. There's YouTube. There's, there's television preaching. Like, let, let's just be honest. It would be very easy to be like, I don't need ecclesia. Because ecclesia church 
is not a membership like a country club. Ecclesia is a gathering. And in that gathering, like spiritual business takes place. Like things happen when we gather together, right? When we choose to be together. Two callings, evangelion, to come into the kingdom. And number two, that kingdom matters come together. Ecclesia, those of the kingdom unite and come together and gather openly, right? And so these two callings that continue to be echoed in the spirit realm, like, like coming out and then coming together, getting, getting, coming out of the world and then into the body of Christ, and we're members in particular, and yet it's so easy today with schedules and things and all the resources to be like, like I'll just go digital with it. I'll go digital in my discipleship. I'll go digital in my spiritual journey. And as much as I love all of that, there's nothing that takes the place of face-to-face. That, that, that there's nothing that takes the place of like the Holy of Holies where the angels come into congruence together with their heads bowed face to face where the glory resides in the midst of us, right? And so, so it's easy to do. It's easy to do. That's the number one reason it's easy to do, right? Number two, because it's messy. Like there is no perfect church. And church is messy. And the more you get into it, the more like you, you, you dive into it, the more you see there's a lot of imperfect people including me, including you, and there is no perfect church. And that's the nuance that you're going to have to toil through and work through. Because when you first come in, it's all romantic. You're like, this is amazing. These people, they're like little, little angels. Just everyone's an angel, right? And then you get to know people more. And you're like, but that's a fallen angel, and that's a fallen angel. We got angels, we got, we got horns, and, we, and we've, got, we've got halos, right? There, there's, <laughs> so... You, you, you start realizing that we're all in a spiritual formation in different places. We all have strengths and weaknesses in different ways. And, and the more that we, we lean into community, the more we discover that. And that needs to not bother us, right? And so it's, it's messy. And we have a saying in, in, in the office. We say, um, everyone loves the sausage, but no one wants to see how it's made, right? Like behind the scenes. No one wants to go in the kitchen and see how the sausage is made. And ministry is messy and, and working with people and stuff isn't fair. Like how we deal with this situation may be different than how we dealt with that situation because we're just trying to be led. We're trying to be graceful. We're trying to have mercy. We're trying to walk through situations with people. And I feel like in 2019, situations were, are way more complex and complicated than they were even 10, 15 years ago, right? Number three, uh, a, a reason that you don't need church is it costs something. Like, it costs something to be a part of Ecclesia. It's, it, it, there's a price to it, right? And we live in, a, again, a culture that's follow, unfollow. Like, we'll follow you, then we don't like it, we'll unfollow you. And it's just easy. And commitment's different than what it used to look like. And, and I think that there needs to be an understanding that, that um, today in our age, like, I don't want just the benefits without the commitment. We know what that looks like and what that ultimately ends up with, right? Uh, This is what Jesus experienced when he went to Gennesaret, and there was a man that was full of devils, and Jesus cast out the devils, and they go into the swine or the pigs, and then those pigs run into the water, and they drowned. And the people, instead of celebrating the man who was free, they they get Jesus and push him out of Gennesaret, and they send him back on the boat because they wanted the man free but they also wanted their pigs. Say, solve my problems, but save my pigs. That was their mentality. Or, or Saul and David, right? Like, like, kill my giant, but don't be my king, right? And we want the benefits of it, but we don't want the commitment to it. We want to we wanna be the one where we need a hand to, like, to someone lift me up, but when it's time for me to pull somebody else up, it's like, 
I'm on the couch on the Lazy Boy, right, watching Netflix. Like, I'm not there. I'm not present. And we, we've got we to realize that it costs something to be a part, right? Like, we want to decapitate Jesus. We want the head, but we don't want the body. If I turn to my wife and was like, hey, babe, I love your face, but the rest of you know. I'd get sucker punched. And then when I'm on the ground, I'd get kicked a few times. That's what would happen. That's how that'd play out, right? And, and if, any, if a friend came to me and was like, hey, Chad, I love you. You're my buddy. You're my bro. I love you. But your family, I don't like. I'd be like, I don't know if we can have a relationship. That would be weird. You're like, I love Jesus. I just don't love the church. I love Jesus. I just don't like the people in the church. That's not how it works. You don't get to do that right? At some point, like, like following Jesus becomes a part of like being a part of the body. That's the natural sequence. And again, there's different shapes and sizes and, and, and different ways that the church shapes out. And I'm not saying like you got to do it this way and it's got to be here. It's got to be now. I'm just saying like you got to be a part of a community of faith that's teaching the word and there's worship, and there's ministry, disciples, spiritual formation, the elements that, that make an ecclesia an ecclesia, Right? We got to have that. We got to be a part. Even the Good Samaritan. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Levi goes one way, priest goes another way. There was a man who owed this man nothing. And yet he stooped down and he inconvenienced himself to help somebody else. Right? I'm going to tell you ministry and being a part of Ecclesia, it'll cost you something. And I I just want you to know, like, it's well worth it because when you step into it, it'll change your life forever. Amen? It'll change your life forever. All right. I'm going to give you three reasons that you need the church. Three reasons that you need the church. Number one, Jesus is in the midst of the church. All right? Revelation 1, 12 through 13, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw the golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in robe, reaching down to the feet with a golden sash around his chest. And essentially, we're going to find out later in the book of Revelation... That this candlestick and these candles represent the seven churches of Asia Minor, right? And these churches are, there's a lot of problems. In fact, there's a lot of rebuke. There's a lot of correction. There's a lot of direction. And yet, when John saw Jesus, he saw him in the midst of the candles. That's where he was. Even in the complexity, even in the mess, Jesus is in the middle of his church, that's where his heart is. The church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. There is no sh- parachuting ministry that's going to come into every city and every nation and save the world. It's going to be the local church, local people who live in the community, who bind together, believe together, pray together, and see one person at a time become free in Jesus. One person step into their calling and their purpose. It is really that simple. Number two, the Holy Spirit ordains people in our lives. Acts 20 and 28, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. At the end of the day, like God anoints people. He anoints us to submit ourselves one to another. And this is not some hierarchical, uh, autocratic uh, system, uh, but this is a way that we serve one another. The greatest will be the servant. This is the way we undergird. This is the way we support one another. This is the way we, 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 we fight for one another. But I've got to have people in my life who care about me, who are planted, who, who I can call pastor, who I can call leader, who I can call mentor. I need those elements, elements in my life. And, and, and part three of that, and part three of reasons we need church is we cannot grow alone. Turn to your neighbor, give him a high five and say, you cannot grow alone. 
I want to show you this scripture, Ephesians 4 and 15. Ephesians 4 and 15. You said it, so you got to believe it. All right, here we go. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Okay? So mature body. From him, the whole body, joined and held together uh, by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its part or its work. So not only did God make us individual parts, but he's called us to be linked together. And as we're connected, we as a body can grow. We can grow spiritually. You can grow when you're connected. We cannot grow spiritually unless we're connected relationally. And again, we have this romantic idea of what it's like to go into like the Himalayas, you know? This is my example for whatever reason. I keep bringing it up. And like sit on a mountaintop, right? After being exhausted from climbing the mountain and losing a couple pounds, right? And uh, you're up there and all of a sudden you're meditating and all this spiritual wisdom happens and all this change and you come, you went up with a purple flower and you come back Batman and you're just different and you're better, right? And all of a sudden, like, that's how it's gonna happen. No, it's the, in the crucible of relationships. It's in the crucible of coming back and apologizing and, 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 and pressing in and striving together and, and saying, challenge me. Hey, g- give, me the, give me the 411. Get, go 100 with me. I need you to speak into my life. And, and you're asking for feedback. And you're asking for direction. You're asking so you can move your life spiritually forward. We cannot, cannot, cannot do it alone. In fact, within the body, there's an immune system. And there's something about being connected where when you can go through things when you're connected that you can't go through by yourself when you're a silo. I just want to tell you, like, stay connected. I can't be connected to everybody, but I can be connected to somebody right? The, the, the finger is not connected to, 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 the, to the knee, but it is connected to the knee through the hand, through the wrist, through the elbow and the arm, through the shoulder, through the body, right? Like we're connected even though we may not be connected directly. Does that make sense? So we are, there is connection. So find your connection to the body and that's where we grow as a people. Amen? Does that sound good? So I'll give you three reasons to, to not be a part. I'm going to give you, I gave you three reasons that we need to be a part and now I'm going to give you five kind of big ideas from 40,000 feet about, about this house. Now, I'm going to give you a quick story. I don't have time to go into all of it. But how many remember back in the day, youth, we used to have lock-ins? Anybody ever do a youth lock-in? One, two, three, four. So there are people. Okay. I was worried that that didn't happen here in California. In Texas, it was like, what do we do with the young people? We're going to lock them in. We're going to get them in a gym, and we're going to lock the doors. And they would literally lock us in. And I remember I was like 13, 14, and I don't know what it was. But whenever they locked us in, we could only think about one thing, sneaking out. You know, I was like, I got to get out of here. Well, why? We got pizza and Coke and basketball and volleyball. I don't know, man. We just got to get out of here. It's a lock-in. This is the whole game, Right? poor youth pastors and youth leaders. And then I'll never forget, we finally did it. We finally got out, okay? This is old LCA building. This is in Houston, Texas. And it's like three in the morning. We finally, after all of our working, we felt like a little bit of 007, a little bit of uh, a mission impossible. We were able to finally get out. And we got out and we were like, wait, now what? Where do we go from here? Let's go back in. 
oh, we're, we're locked out. And we were locked out in a winter, weird winter in Houston for three hours till six in the morning. We were so into getting out that we couldn't get back in. And my only point is this, is that sometimes we feel like it's a restraint, and if I can just get out, and then sometimes it's weird, it's like hard to get back in. I just want to tell you, like, like this, is, this house is not a place where we're like, it's like constraining, and if you leave, you can't come back. But when we disconnect, and we reconnect, and disconnect, and reconnect, and disconnect, and don't see it for six months, and then you're back, and then, I'm in, I want to do it all, I want to save the world, I want to be a part of everything, and then you're gone for six months. It's like, it's just a weird spiritual formation that doesn't ever take traction. There's something about the long haul, the long game of participating, week in, week out, cadence, and, 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 and faithfulness to those relationships. So I want to give you five things that are super important to this house. This is a part of our DNA. Number one, we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is the game changer. I love what D.L. Moody said. He said this. He said, if we just educate people, we'll take someone who stole the bolts. This is back, you know, he lived 150 years ago, so trains were his reference point. We'll take the bolts off of the train, and then we'll educate him, and he'll just steal the whole train. It's not education. It's a work of the Spirit that changes hearts. Like at the end of the day, like if there is no Holy Spirit in the house, there's no house. Like the book of Acts is just a book of the work and acts of the Holy Spirit through its leaders and through the church and through ministers. Like we have to have the Holy Spirit and not like a piece or part of it. Not like I like this part of the Holy Spirit. I like your legs but not your arms. I want you to see but I don't want you to speak. It's not like when you're ordering a burger, like, like cheese or no cheese. Like, I want the Christian thing experienced, but I don't want the Holy Spirit part. It doesn't work that way. Like, you're here because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit drew you. The Holy Spirit called you. The Holy Spirit convicted you. The Holy Spirit gave you the ability to even call on the name of the Lord for salvation. Like, it's the Holy Spirit. And so, like, we, we can't grow from that or mature or graduate from that. That's not what it looks like, right? We're enriched by that relationship. The Bible says we commune with the Holy Spirit. We believe as a church, like in all of the gifts of the Spirit, we believe that they're real. We believe that they, they still happen. They happen to me, through me, and for me. And people have given, like spoken to me. And, 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 and we try to demystify that. We're not trying to make it weird or goofy. We're not trying to be like, oh, way, hmm. You know, like screaming in your ear or like, you know, calling you out like, I have a word for that guy right there. Stand right over there. Or do you want this word? Do you want this word? You better, you better want it. How bad do you want it? Show me a, sur- do, do a somersault right now. And, 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 and we want to take like all of the attention off of us and put it on Jesus. It may, I've had people come and whisper a word in my ear and say, hey, God, just put this on my heart. I believe it's for you. I'm, I'm humbly like, like, I just feel like this is what God's saying and like say the very thing that I've been praying about. Like, Lord, I just need a little direction in this area and God will use someone through the Holy Spirit because we're a body, right? It's the Holy Spirit that does it. It's the Holy Spirit that's, that's working in the body. We believe in tongues. We believe in the, in the gift of tongues. We believe in glossolalia. We believe in speaking in tongues in 2019. All right? 
And, and this may freak you out, but I, I pray in tongues a lot. I, when I pray, not always in tongues, but I pray in tongues because I believe there's power in that. I believe it's a prayer language that connects us to God in a unique way. I don't understand what I'm saying, and probably it's better. Like, if you heard me pray in English, it's, it's a lot better in tongues, right? I'm like, God, God, I don't really know what to pray about. And God's like, yeah, exactly. Let, let me, let the Spirit in you pray. But there's also a balance to that. There's people who can pray in tongues all day, and they can't speak kindly in English. They're meeting in their English, and they're powerful in their tongue, and that doesn't... So there's got to be a balance to it all, right? Like the fruit of the Spirit with the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe that the gifts of the Spirit matter. We believe that they change lives. And we believe that people are looking for the power of God in the house of God. Amen? And let me give you a little, little something that's kind of a kind of a rule of the house, and it's kind of the unspoken, spoken, unwritten, written rule of the house. When it comes to tongues, and this is kind of like the, the rule of the house that, that, that kind of is a, is a why, but, but again, like it, it moves into a lot of other areas. It's about order, and it's about uh, demystifying the things of the Spirit. We say this, like, like if we're praying in tongues, and it's louder than everybody in the area, and now everyone in the area is only hearing you speak in tongues, and they can't worship because you're speaking in tongues like, 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 you're, you're, like you're at an auction, right? And, and you, no one can understand anything. Then Paul said this in the Scripture, you need to prophesy or, or, and do something that people understand because everyone's attention is off of God, and it's on you. And now you sound like a barbarian. So here's the rule we have. And it's just, again, it's the unspoken, you're not going to get in trouble, but this is just the culture that we have. There's a canopy of sound, and it's like white noise, right? There's white noise. You go to a restaurant, and there's a sound canopy, and it goes up and it goes down. It gets louder, it gets quieter. Sometimes it gets like no one's talking, it's like, oh, no one's talking, that's weird. Or someone grab, uh, drops a glass, and it breaks, and all of a sudden it breaks that sound barrier. It's louder than the sound canopy, the white noise in the room, and now everyone's attention turns to that cup. Paul says, when you do that speaking in tongues, like now everyone's attention's on you, you better prophesy, or people who are there going, I'm just here to learn, listen, you're going to sound like a barbarian. So again, there's, there's a nuance to how we balance all of it, and there's a fruit of the Spirit that has to come. If you're coming ostentatiously like, I'm spiritual, blah, 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 and uh, that's the goal, then at the end of the day, like no one's going to get blessed, and you're going to feel good about yourself, and that's it. Okay, I need to move on. Number two, environments matter. Environments matter. So everything we do in this house is about creating irresistible environments that change people's hearts. So we don't throw seed. We throw, we throw well, I don't want to say manure because that would be the wrong thing. But we create environments for the seed. Fertilizer. That's just the polite way of saying it, right? We create environments that are healthy and irresistible. Because the seed that's in you, all it needs is the right environment. And when people come to a healthy, celebratory, joyful, spirit-filled environment, the thing that's inside of you comes alive. When we go to a, you go to a religious you know, place that everyone's there's con, you know, cantankerous and upset, and it's, we, we hold these, the, whole, the old methods, and it's got to be this way, and you can feel the tension like what's in you dies. But when there's a healthy environment, that's why we work so hard on ir, irresistible environments is what we call it. It's like the Queen of Sheba who came and saw Solomon's temple, and she walks in, and her breath was taken away, and she goes, the half hasn't been told. The food, the sacrifice, the worship, the servants, all of it coming together, and it's like I don't even know how to explain it, but something came alive in her. 
And when people come into this house and they see smiles and people are interested in one another, they love one another, it's an environment that creates the opportunity for things to break forth and spring up out of people's lives. In fact, my dad, I've said this before, my dad will come uh, to, to California. He'll be like, I love that plant. I love that tree. It doesn't grow in Houston. Or I'll be in Houston. He'll be like, hey, I just planted this plant in the backyard. Uh, you can never grow it in California. It needs like very terrible weather. It needs stressful, terrible weather. And uh, there's certain environments that are conducive to certain things growing. And if you get in the wrong environment, the wrong environment will produce, it'll bring the worst out. It'll bring seeds that, that aren't supposed to sprout. But if you get in good environments, then those seeds begin to sprout. That's why the environment matters. That's why you being in the house matters. That's why you being a part, even if you're not on this, the team or not on the team that week, like shake someone's hand, learn someone's name, make someone's day, like lift your hand, sit up front. We have an upfront culture. Love our splash session. Can I get a, uh, this is our splash section. Like, like we're an upfront culture that says we're all in. We're bought in. Like we want more. We're pressing in. And it's an environment that brings people. It pulls people forward. It pulls people in. Because we just believe it matters. We believe that church ought to be awesome. And we believe that it really does matter, the environments that are in the house. Number three, we believe that unity ought to be protected. It ought to be fought for. The road to Emmaus, two people walking, talking, talking about Jesus, turn into talking to Jesus, and they didn't even know it. And every service that we're in, we're talking about him. We start, we start with talking about him. We're in unity. And before we know it, before we may even really know it, we go from talking about him to talking with him. And finally, their eyes were open. They go, oh, that's the risen Savior. He's here. And that moment happens again and again, but it happens when two walk together in unity. And there's something powerful about unity, and there's something important about unity. Colossians 3 and 14, most of all, let love guide your life, for then the whole church will stay together in perfect harmony. You know, one of the things that happens in, 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 in churches, ecclesia, too often is that we major on minors, and we minor on majors, right? Like, here's my rule, and I told our Bible class this a couple weeks ago, like at the end of the day... I'm going to be loud about the things the Bible's loud about. And I'm going, to be, I'm going to whisper in the areas where the Bible whispers. And where the Bible talks, I'm going to talk. I'm going to be loud where the Bible's loud. I'm going to whisper where the Bible whispers. Sometimes we major on things like, hey, are you a, uh, do you believe in predestination fully? Five-point Calvinist? Like, I got I to gotta know. I got to know where you stand on that. When, when's Jesus coming back? Pre-trib? Post-trib? And we major on these things that we really don't know. We know there's nuance to it. We know there's layers to it. But to act like we know something that's not fully revealed and use that as a, a way to make ourselves look good and to bring division, that's not what like, this is about. Let's major on the major things. Christ died for you and I. He was buried in the grave. Three days later, he came out. He was victorious, sits at the right hand of God. We have forgiveness of sins through his blood. Jesus, the son of the living God, he's coming back again for a church. The graves will split open, and we will meet him in the sky, and we will rule and reign with him in his kingdom forever and ever and ever. I'll fight for that. I'll fight for that. Okay, but a Greek word? Synthamanoia. I'm not fighting for synthamanoia. You don't even know what that means because I made it up. There you go. All right. Just wanted to see. We also have something called dumb dichotomies. This happens. It happens. And it's the dichotomy of like, so are we going to be a spirit-led church or a Bible church? 
It's like saying, do we want to eat or do you want to sleep? I want both. In fact, I'll eat right before I go to sleep. Feel real good? Okay. Or people are like, are we going to honor God or are we going to honor men? Why don't we honor each other? I believe that's honoring God. And we're going to honor God. Right? Are we going to be a spirit-led church or are we going to be well-planned? Why can't we do both? Like, why do we have to, like, why does the Holy Spirit have to tell us the plan at 8.50 a.m.? Like, the Holy Spirit just woke up and was like, I got a plan for today. Just came up with it. Brilliant. Let me tell you. Like, why can't God put the plan in our hearts before and yet still have, still have the grace and the space to go, as, as people respond, we're going to flow with it. We're going to flow with what God's doing. Let's go both. You going to brush your teeth or shower? I say both. I want to smell good on the outside and the inside. Hallelujah. Amen. There was a great division in, in the church in 1054. It was called the, the Philoquay Controversy. And it was basically Eastern and Western, the church, uh, basically when the Eastern Orthodox and the Catholic Church split and became those two entities, it was based off of this Philoquay Controversy. It was this. Did the Holy Spirit proceed from the Father and the Son? or the Father through the Son. An entire church split over that. And you can read Scripture. I've read it. I've, I've like, which side would I be on? And I read them like, yeah, totally, totally, yeah, Philoque, for sure. And the Son. And I read these, I'm like, but yeah, it's the promise of the Father. Yeah, I mean, I get that. But to split, like, we know for sure. Minoring, majoring on minors and minoring on majors. Let's not do that. Let's stick with unity. Let's walk together. Let's make a difference in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. Number four is discipleship. Everybody say discipleship. So I feel like God's calling all of us into discipleship. I want you to like embrace that. Like how many here have kids in the kids zone? How many have a number right now? See, we have a little number that comes up every once in a while right here, and you'll see like a, a parent like slowly. The walk of shame right? <laughs> That's my kid again. Who's V479? Their kid must be terrible. I can't even read the Scripture. It's V479, V479. What did you learn today? V479. <laughs> but here's what I feel about it. I feel like, like God keeps flashing our number up to step into discipleship and spiritual formation. Like, God's got your number, Okay? And it's flashing, and the question is, are you going to get up? Are you going to move forward? That's the question today, all right? So let's talk about discipleship really quick. A couple things. Number one, discipleship is about movement. It's about moving forward. So Jesus talked to his disciples, and he said this. He said, um, I want you to come and see. So the first invitation was come and see. And then they come and see, like, this is amazing. And then he says, follow me. Now, follow me is just turning the dial up just a little bit. It means you've got to leave some things behind. So come and see is like, this is wonderful. And there's a lot of people stuck at come and see. Test driving the car, dating Jesus, dating the church. It's like, how many dates can we go on before we get a ring on it? Come on, right? Thank you for the Chanel earrings. This is wonderful. When's the next date, okay? And it, it's like, let's turn this up. I want you to follow me. And then he's like, let's turn it up some more. If you want to be my disciples, you got to continue my teaching, continue my word. John chapter 6, a bunch of people were like, adios, Jesus. Will you leave me? Where, where will we go? We keep following. And then finally, Jesus says, if you're going to really follow me, 
I want you to take up your cross. Now, we choose a couch because couches are better than crosses. They're easier. But Jesus said, take up your cross. If you want this, and this is what Jesus says in spiritual formation, he lets us taste and then he invites us in. He lets us see the treasure and then he goes, but to get the treasure, you got to sell what you have and follow me. Because you can't buy in without selling out. Like you, to move forward, you've got to say goodbye to yesterday. That's what discipleship is. And some people get stuck. They get stuck, right? The hardest part about being a pastor, just confessions of a pastor, should write a book, um, the confessions of a pastor, is like there's never an end. Like if you're a contractor building a house, you're like, sir, your, your house is finished. We just put the last coat of paint. The door is done. The dog is in the house. We got a fire going. Not a real one because you're not allowed to have that anymore. A gas fire is just brewing in the house. Go enjoy your house. Here's your keys. You're done. But with people, there's no like done. Sir, your Christianity is complete. Congratulations. We don't need you and you don't need us. It's like going to a gym and like seeing somebody who's like a bodybuilder and being like, sir, you must stop. It's over. I can see every vein in your body protruding out of your skin, okay? Stop it already. You make the rest of us feel bad, okay? Like, but with spiritual formation, it's like the ongoing work. It never ends. That's okay. But we have to have forward progress. That's what discipleship looks like. So we teach our leaders here the difference between lake model and river model ministry. Lake model is all about volume. That you, you, you judge and you measure success by volume. So how many people got into the lake? How big was the lake? But when you go into a lake, you come out the same spot. But a river model is you go in, but you come out at a different location down the river. So lake model is, man, I, I, did a, I had a small group. I had 20 people sign up. Four people showed up. Oh, and they showed up to the door. And I was just like, you know what, guys? No one showed up. Everyone just go home. Or you know what, there's a, there's a rerun of Cheers. Why don't we just watch that together? No one's here. So sad, right? That's the lake model mentality. Or we do a prayer meeting. Come on, everybody. And we want 100 people to show up and, and seven people show up. You want a low attendance event? Have a prayer meeting, right? <laughs> seven people show up. And so what do we do? We're like, only seven. Show, should we even pray? Did someone bring bagels? Anybody bring bagels? You know, like... We just, let's just get, and, and River Model says, you know what? We only had four people show up to the small group, but we took the mask off and we moved down the river. There was some real spiritual growth that took place. It wasn't the volume of people there. It was the quality of movement. We're moving life forward. We're moving faith forward. That's what spiritual formation looks like. Amen? Rich young ruler, rich young ruler, are you ready to leave? This is a rich guy who basically you would want to marry your daughter. It's like, I don't cheat, I don't steal, I don't lie, I don't fornicate, I don't commit, I don't do all that. Jesus is like, great, but if you want to go forward, here's your next step. Sell it all, follow me. I can't be a part because of my heart. All my actions look good, but my heart is too connected to something that's not part of my destiny. All right? I want to give you another scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and 19. Our spiritual formation is connected to serving. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I may win the more. Let me tell you why serving in the house is so important. Number one, you are built for it. You have a metron. You have a gift. 
So you have, a, you have your, your gifting, charisma, and inside of the word charisma is this word charis for grace. Charis for grace, charisma for gift. The grace that God has for you is tucked into your gift. When you discover your gift, I'm telling you, you're going to discover a grace on your life that's going to be unshakable. The greatest day of your life is not the day you were born. It's the day you discover why you were born. Most people don't know their why, so they don't know their way. In fact, um, Viktor Frankl, anybody ever heard of Viktor Frankl? He is a Holocaust survivor. He said this. He said, success and joy and happiness is not something that you pursue. It's something that ensues you. When you seek to be, to, to, when you find your meaning and you seek to bless others, joy comes. People looking for joy never find it. Why? Because it can't be found. It's discovered in your meaning in helping others, period. So discovering your gift and serving in the body is so amazing. Let me tell you a story really quickly. We're almost, we're almost done. Remember the Passover story? Remember Jesus at the Passover? Do you know that in seven chapters in the book of John, I think it's chapters 13 through 19, all the dialogue took place in the upper room with his disciples. Tons of important information were disclosed and unveiled in that upper room. People were changed. Judas left. People's hearts were shifted and reconstructed and getting ready for the church that was to come. The ideas of communion and the sacraments were, were being infused and pouring into one another and, and um, uh, washing each other's feet. All took place in the upper room, the Last Supper, that Passover. But you know how that happened? Jesus said, hey, I need two of you to go to Jerusalem. And you're going to find a man with a water pot. No name. I want you to follow him all the way to his house. And then you say, the master has need of the room. And the man's going to say, it's all ready. You see, what we do is we prepare the room. As volunteers, as servants, we prepare the room so somebody can sit across the table from Jesus and be changed. This man had a water pot. He didn't have a title, but he had a towel. He was willing to serve beyond even what he could understand was what was about to happen. He set the room up. He set the seats up. He got everything ready. The bread was ready. The unleavened bread, the wine was ready. Everything was ready. The lamb, everything was ready so they could come and commune with Jesus. That's what we do as volunteers. We set the table. We set the spread. We do it, maybe not knowing who or how it's all going to work, but we get our hearts ready because people's hearts are going to be changed in the presence of Jesus. That's what volunteering looks like, a need greater than myself. And I'm going to close with this. Number five, our heart is about reaching people far from God. Are we going to be disciples or are we gonna, we're going to reach people far from God? Well, from what I understood, what Jesus said is, the road to discipleship is reaching people far from God. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They're not in competition. They're not in competition. I want to say this, that our heart is that when people far from God walk into these doors, a sinner should not feel in danger in God's house. But sin will fill the danger. It's dangerous for sin, but it's safe for sinners. When they come into this house and feel God's love and the chains begin to break off of their heart and their mind and all of a sudden, for the first time, they feel the liberty that God has wrought in Christ Jesus. We exist so people far from God
can know the saving name and hope of Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. That's why we do all that we do to prepare a table so when you are a bringer and that you bring that person that's far from God that, that first time and, and we say close your eyes and bow your head and, and if you're here and, and you want to say yes to Jesus, we give you permission to be like because that's going to be the best Sunday of your life is the day that that person you've been praying for, reaching for, says yes to Jesus. That'll be the best day of your life. Church ought to be full of celebration, life change, transformation. I tell this story in our welcome home a lot of times and it's the story of my little daughter, Emma. Four years old, Disneyland, dressed like a little princess, just got or, or, ornated as a, as a little princess and she goes missing. The first minute of a missing child, you try to act cool. Everything's all right. We'll find her. By minute two and three, dignity starts to leave your blood. And you become that crazy parent that's climbing on stuff and yelling like a mad person. After five to ten minutes, your heart sinks and you, you don't know what to do. And it's in that moment you feel what heaven feels for its lost children. Nothing else matters except finding that lost child. Nothing else. No manager of Disneyland came up to us and said, Sir, don't worry about it. You've got two beautiful children here. Just be happy with the ones you have. No, you don't realize it. My child's missing. And if, my, if Jude and Josh were like, Dad, let's get some churros. But like, no, don't you understand? Like, all that matters right now is finding Emma. And the heart of God is to find those lost children that are still in this city, still in this county, looking for hope, looking for Papa, looking for redemption, knowing there's more, but don't know where to go. That's why we exist, and that's why we do what we do. I shared this story several years ago of the lady from Asia who went on the trip to Iceland. And she was on a tour to go see a big volcano. They stopped. She get off the bus. She changed clothes because it was getting colder. She said in the front of the bus, not in the back of the bus. So they go a few miles. and they, Someone says, hey, the person sitting here is not here. They're missing. She didn't understand. And so they take the bus back to where that stop was. And they do a search for several hours. Hours into the wilderness looking for this lost lady. She's also in the search party looking for herself and doesn't even realize it. So finally, after like two or three hours, she's like, the lady is Chinese, was sitting in the back. Hey, maybe this is me. And I want to say this, like, found people, find people. Like, you're no longer lost. Be a part of the search party. Looking not for those who are already saved, but for those who don't know Him yet. That's why we exist. To share hope with the world. Right where you are, would you close your eyes and bow your heads? just want to pray with you for a moment. Lord, we love you. Lord, we worship you. If you're in this room and you you don't know the Lord, 
your relationship with the Lord is, has wavered. It's not strong. You don't know that you know Him. You don't know that you're forgiven. And you want to either renew or begin a relationship with Jesus today. Would you just lift your hand? I just want to see your hand really quickly. Would you just raise your hand? three, four, five hands. I want to pray for you. Would you just leave your hand up? I want to pray for you right where you are. I just want to speak the freedom that's in Christ over your heart. Lord Jesus, you are so merciful and great and gracious to us. Let your spirit, Lord, touch every heart that's in this room. Draw us to you. Wash our hands and wash our hearts today, Lord. Cleanse us. Forgive us of our iniquities and break the chains that have kept us bound. Today we call upon the saving name of Jesus that has the power to heal our wounds, to heal our bruises, and to open our eyes to all that you have, an inheritance that you've promised us. I speak it, I declare it over every person in this house and those who raise their hands. Today is a new day. We're not here by accident. We're here by divine providence. We declare the goodness of the Lord. We declare your faithfulness, Lord. I call upon your saving name. Let your Holy Spirit heal our hearts right now. We turn to you. We turn to you. In Jesus' name you're here in this room and you have a need in your life big or small maybe a personal need a private need maybe it's healing in your body maybe it's a situation you just keep finding yourself coming up against a cycle that you can't break I want to ask you to stand no one's looking around I just want to ask you to stand I want to pray for you I want you to believe big time right now that God's going to do a miracle God's going to do a miracle today's your day we're going to be bold today in Jesus' name. This is the church. Not the only church, but this is a church. A place where Jesus' love reigns. His spirit is moving. His promises are real. And you don't have to leave the same way you came. I want to pray for you right now. Jesus' name. We declare your goodness. Heal our hearts. Touch us, Lord, today. Your spirit is moving in this room. Yes, Lord. We receive it. We confess it. Jesus' name, that healing would move to this room, that hope would fill our hearts, that our eyes would be open, that we would see the 3D 
that we would see you in the midst of all of it that when we see the church we see Christ we see healer we see hope we see salvation open our eyes to see what is right in our midst what is right before us that we haven't seen before today Lord open our eyes it's for all of us to see and it's for all of us to receive in Jesus name